I was glad when he said unto me, let us go, let us go, let us go into the house of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome, 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 welcome to Ignite. Welcome in the name of Jesus. This is not just an ordinary day. This is a day of new beginnings and this is a fresh start for all those all those who will tap into that which I have, I'm going to say unto you today. This is a day of new beginnings and this is a day of a fresh start. This will be a day of victory. This will be a day of breakthrough. This will be a day of the overflow. This will be a day of awakening. This will be a day of miracle working, burning, removing, yoke destroying power for all those who will make a decision to tap into all that which I will say unto you today. See, today is not just like any other day. See, when you come before my presence, you must come before my presence with thanksgiving and with praise and with expectation that I'm going to say something to you today, God says, that will ultimately change your lives forever. But if you come like a spectator, if you come waiting on somebody else to do something for you, not expecting it to come from me, you will get exactly what it is that you expect. And it's absolutely nothing. If you come to God expecting nothing, you will get exactly what you expect. If you come to God expecting somebody else to do what he's already equipped you to do, you will walk away with absolutely nothing. That's not how God said, he said that, he said, this is not gonna be like any other day. The words you're gonna hear from the, his throne today will change your life if you expect it to. If you just treat it like it's just another time, just another meeting, just another time, uh, I'm just going to church. Some periods, this is the way we go to church, go to church. Then you will get exactly what you came expecting. Nothing. Nothing. You will walk away and say, the word don't work. You will walk away saying, I need to find another church. You will walk away and say, the anointing must not be on the, word, on the man or woman of God anointing they are anointed yes we are anointed but the word of god is anointed you cannot expect to re prayer to replace what only the word of god can do praying alone won't change your life praying the word of god and understanding what the word has to say about your life will change your life forever when you get the word of god guess what it's going to do it's going to change how you pray but if you don't come, expect, he says, you are looking at the wrong people. You're looking at the wrong person. You're looking for a man to do what only God can do. And some people are looking for God to do what he's already told you to do. God is not going to get off the throne. Jesus is not going to get off the throne to do what the Holy God has already told you through the person of the Holy Spirit to do. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. He said it is never going to happen. Don't be deceived. Stop telling God, God, I need you to do. God, I need you to do. When God says, I've already equipped you to do. It's never going to happen. He said it's never going to happen. And you can walk around frustrated, 
for the rest of your natural born days because you're expecting God to do something he's already told you to do. It's never going to happen. You don't read one place where it tells, says that for you to pray that God does something about the devil. It does not exist. It doesn't exist. You don't have one scripture to support that. Where God told, where you God says, pray to me to do something about the devil. It doesn't exist. But he did tell, tell you what to do about the adversary when he comes up to try to does what he wants to do. But if you sit there with your, your lips so tight that if you, you got to pry them away with the pry bar, it's never going to happen. If you're waiting on God, God, I need you to do something about the situation. He says, I already did. I sent you. When Jesus turned the whole world around, he was sharing this with me at the beginning of the service. He said, so when Jesus began to impact the whole world, how many people did he start with? Twelve. We're waiting for, for thousands and then we'll do something. God says, I only need two. He says, today is not going to be an ordinary day if you make a decision to, for you to expect expect it not to be if you come with a casual attitude you're going to get exactly what it is you're expecting he meets you at your level of expectation he meets you at your level of expectation i know julian i know but it's just it's, i know he meets you at your level of expectation he says i started with 12 and, the and then the 12 multiplied into 70 more. And then the 70 more multiplied into thousands more. And the thousands more multiplied into millions more. And then so on and so on and so on and so on. But when he first started, he started with, he was the seed. And from that seed, many more, much more harvest came forth. If the body of Christ just does what God told them to do, they could change this whole situation. You waiting on your congressman, you're waiting on your premier, you're waiting on your prime minister, you're waiting on your MP to change, and then it's going to change. You are going to be sadly mistaken because it's not a person, it's an ideology. You're dealing with an ideology. Islam is not a religion. Islam is an ideology. You can kill off all those, all those, all the eons, and guess what's going to happen? You haven't changed the ideology. You can take all the liberals out of the out of government today. Guess what? It's not going to change because you haven't changed the ideology. That's what you, that's the battle. It's battle on what it is that people think and believe. You got progressives who call themselves conservatives, and they have the same ideology, maybe not to the same extreme, but the same ideologies as liberals. It's not about a party, it's about an ideology. It's not about it's not about Catholics, not about Baptists, it's not about uh, Presbyterians, it's not about Seven Day Adventists. It's an ideology. What do you believe? And if you don't change what people believe, then you're never going to impact their life. Never. Jesus did not spend all his time arguing with folk. Jesus, did, you you know, it's funny. He never argued with unbelievers. He just told believers what the words. He just taught them the kingdom principles in a parable. The only people we ever had any trouble with was, was church folk, Pharisees and Sadducees. Why? 
because they had a wrong understanding of what it is the word said. And because they had a wrong understanding of what it is the word said, they taught things the wrong way. Are y'all ready for a miracle today? Because he says there's a miracle in the house today. There's a miracle in the house today. There's a miracle in the house today. Today, he says right now, there's a miracle in this house today. And he says it, and it's, it's, for, it's, it's for whosoever will believe, whosoever will receive in Jesus' name. He said it. This is not going to be an ordinary service. He's, he said it from the very beginning. This is it's not going to be an ordinary service, but it will be an ordinary service to you if you have that mindset. It's just going to be like any other service is not. It's not. How do you know it's not going to be like any other service? Because he said that before I ever left the house. So let's let's go before the throne. We're going to make this declaration and then we're going to jump right in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. We thank you, Father, that our preacher and teacher will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be a demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, you're already here. Continue to move up and down each and every hour. Touching every household, touching each and every person. Father, we know that you've already manifested gifts of the Holy Spirit. We ask you and covenant with you to continue to, with the manifestations, demonstration, visitation of the Holy Spirit and with power. We believe that you've given us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that are open and ready to receive the engrafted word of God that will ultimately change our lives forever. Father, we give you glory and honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we make this declaration that the, in accordance to Isaiah 61, and one which says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captains of the open of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Yes, sir. Go back with me and say, say this with me. Repeat this after me. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open up the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to comfort all who mourn. I receive this now in Jesus' name. Now, what you just said is, Father, that your spirit that comes from you, referring to the Holy Spirit, is upon me now. See, you're telling God, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not Brother Pray Right, not Sister Slam now, but the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He did not only say this for people who stand behind the pulpit, and I'm gonna tell you, unless I invite you to stand behind this desk, don't ever stand behind this desk. This is holy ground. 
Now, many people walk up in the pulpit, they don't think anything about it, but I'm telling you, in this next season, if you just walk up in somebody's pulpit and you haven't been invited, you can fall down dead under the power of the anointing if you're not prepared to receive it. Don't ever walk behind some a person's pulpit without being invited, ever, ever. That is total disrespect, ever. I never do it, never done it. Don't ever do that. I'm telling you, the season that you're about to step into coming sooner than you think, you got to know that you know that you know that you know you can't play church no more. The gray, there was a time of gray. The gray is gone. You either going to be black or you're going to be white, but there ain't no gray. And I did say ain't. Ain't no gray. There's not going to be any gray. No gray. You can't fake it. You can't play like you. You can't be it like on Sunday morning between the hours of 930 to 11 and then go back to hell and the rest of the week. You can't fake this because the word is about to find you out. I'm going to get to this demonstration that God gave me yesterday. And I'm telling you, when he showed it to me yesterday, I was like, oh, my God, Holy Spirit, please bring that back to my remembrance tomorrow. And he did. <clears throat> But the spirit of the Lord God is upon you for service. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you for service, not to sit on your blessed assurance and watch everybody else perform. This is not a performance. This is, this is not a performance. Some people treat this like a performance. It's not a performance. Every time you stand, every time we stand behind his desk, every pastor, every apostle, every evangelist, every apostle and prophet and teacher, everyone who's ever stood behind this desk is going to give an account for what it is he told God's people. Better yet, he's going to give, he or she is going to give an account for what it is, what they told him if he told them to tell the people where he or she was at. See, I can't watch so-and-so's broadcast and then bring it into this house if that's not the way I'm we're supposed to operate in this land. Like I got friends like uh, Apostle Godfrey, their background and everything and the church they go to, it's, it's a powerful church, but guess what? It won't work in Greeley. If I brought that to Greeley, they were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, Herbert Bentley, oh, gosh. It will never work. But you know what, though? You can still bring up the word. Word doesn't matter where you're at. The method may be different. The word doesn't change. What most people do, they change the word and not the method. They water the word down, same method, and people's like, I don't want that. Give them the same word, ask God to show you the method and watch and see what he does. Are y'all ready? Okay, ready or not, here we go. Now, when he says that the spirit of the Lord God, how do you know the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for service? Because once the spirit of the Lord comes upon you, it tells you, and because the spirit of the Lord is upon you, you will go forth and do this. Because the spirit of the Lord God is upon you, you will go forth and do this. Because the spirit of the Lord God is upon you, you will go forth and do this. It never says, I get the Holy Spirit or anointed to have goosebumps. <laughs> I can feel the presence of the Lord. No. Now you like, Lord, give me more power. God's like, you ain't doing nothing with what I gave you already. Why would I give you more power? God is the most purposeful being. He only gives you more when you do more. When you do more, are ready to do more, he will expand your capacity to receive. Talk about the 12 disciples. Jesus started with one. He went and told one. That one went and told somebody else. 
that other, then they went and told somebody else. And then they went and told somebody else. How, how y'all know? Because he told, Andrew told his brother, he went and ran it. What did he do? Jesus talked to him. He ran and go told his brother. God is telling us, we ain't telling nobody. That's <laughs> a good revelation, though. I ain't telling nobody, though. Who are you helping? Nobody. This week I had an opportunity to, uh, to visit with some family and friends, and I'm telling you, the love of God works. The love of God works. If I had to give this a title, now that we, now we're about to jump in. Now, I told he said I'll have to tell you this to get you ready for this. See, if you're gonna, if you're going to see, see, we gotta stop dating God. We gotta stop just being so familiar with him. You know, when you become so familiar with a person, you no longer reverence what it is that they bring to the table. See, the thing about it is also that if you become so familiar with somebody, then when they, when they have a word to give you, I don't care if they're a, a child. God can use a child to speak a life, change a word to your life if you expect them to. God can use an unbelieving. God will use a heathen. God used a donkey. Not saying that you a donkey. Hello. But he used one. You're looking in the wrong place. I can't, I cannot specify that enough. To, you are looking in the wrong place. <clears throat> you got people bouncing from church to church to church to church to church to church. It's not in a man. It's not in a woman. If you are prosperous somewhere else other than where it is God told you to be, can I tell you how much credit you're gonna get for that on, on judgment day? Zero. Zero. You can build the biggest house. You can have the biggest temple and all that other good stuff. But if you did not do it in a land where he told you to do it, you get no credit for it. It was good, but it wasn't God. Y'all want me to show it to you? I'm going to show it to you anyway, whether you want to see it or not, but you're going to get it. I don't know who, is it, who prayed this prayer this, between last night and this morning, but from last night, when I came in, when I got back yesterday, I had, boy, whoo, I knew exactly where I was going to go until about 8.15 this morning. And then I said, I need you to do this. See, that's why when we say, when we put you up to pray, there's nothing wrong with if you write stuff down. The reason why we say you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit knows what the people need to hear for that day. And if you're, if you're, only, if you're only in this in these boxes, then he can only use you so far. Anybody want to be used mightily by God? For real, for real, not church. I'm not talking about just in the house. I'm talking about being used by God in your house, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your province, in your nation. If you do, here's a word for you. Title of this message, if I was to give one, is I've got the victory. I've got the victory. You could turn to your neighbor and tell him, point to him, hey, I got the victory. Go ahead and try that one. I've got the victory. Turn, look to somebody else and say, hey, I got the victory. Turn to somebody else and say, I got the victory. Now point to them and say, hey, you got the victory too.
See, if you if you don't if you don't have a mind, oh, that's so good. Okay, don't go there. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, all week I I did, I prayed, I spent time with God. I really understand what Jesus meant where he went to prayer before God and then he got up and then he did his day. He did start doing his day and then he added prayer in when he went along. Did y'all see the difference there? Jesus got up before he started his day, got before God, found out what his assignment was for the day and then he ordered his day based off of what it is he heard in prayer. Most people don't do that. Most people have already planned their day, get up and start in their day. And oh, by the way, like I'm supposed to pray. And then you, you wonder why you don't, you're not seeing the miracle signs and wonders you want to see because you haven't prepared for the day. You got to get dressed before you get dressed. Putting on the whole armor of God is, is talking about prayer. It's all about prayer. How do you know? Because at the very end of it, it says, and praying always with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving unto all saints. You're praying for saints. So I'm, the, breast, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation are all mindsets. I'm the righteousness of God. I have a helmet, a mindset of salvation. Uh, my feet are operating in, in peace. I have on the, the, the belt of the word of God. All those are pieces of mindsets. So when you go in prayer and you got the, the, the shield of faith blocking all those attacks from the adversary and the sword of the spirit. When are you using the sword of the spirit? When you're in prayer. Something comes against you, you just weigh that sword. The adversary is trying to come against you. You speak that word, you're swaying that sword. Adversary comes against you and you say, Lord Jesus, do something about that devil. And he's going to sit there and look at you. Because there's nothing scripture tells him that says to pray to God or to Jesus to tell him to do something about the devil. It doesn't exist. If you can find it, call me. I'm telling you, it doesn't exist. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are, that as believers, you and I are to occupy until Jesus comes. That word occupy there is a military term which meaning to hold possession or control of a conquered troops or territory. So if we're to occupy it to his, he comes and to do it effectively, most of us are gonna to have to change our attitudes. We're going to have to recognize that Jesus has already won the victory. Jesus is not going to win the victory. You're not going to win in a sweet by and by it says that we are to occupy until he comes. Occupy until he comes. Now, Proverbs 23 and 7 tells us this, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you can say all other kind of stuff, but if I really want to know what it is that who you are, all I got to do is look at what, it, what are you thinking about all the time? Are you seeing yourself as victorious? Are you seeing yourself as defeated? Are you seeing yourself as outnumbered? Are you seeing yourself as less than? Are you seeing yourself as weak? Are you seeing yourself as broke and so broke you cannot be trusted? Are you, are you seeing yourself as sick and debilitated as a person thinks in their heart? Where's your heart? Your spirit, man. 
as a person thinks in their heart, that's what you become. You say, how do you know that that's what I'm going to become? Just simply because that's what I think in my heart. Well, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 tells you why. It says for you, in accordance to the New American Standard Bible, to watch over your heart with all diligence. Why? For from it, your heart flows or springs, the springs forth life. So out of your heart springs life. Out of your heart springs life. Out of your heart springs life. So as a, as a man or woman, as a man or woman, God is telling you to guard your heart, to protect your heart. From, for out of your heart, your spirit man springs forth life. How do you guard your heart? He says, you put away from you a deceitful mouth. How do you guard your heart? By putting away from you a deceitful mouth. He says, also put, a, put, uh, put off from you deceive, devious speech that comes from your mouth. So how do you guard your heart? By watching what it is you say out of your mouth. How do you know what's gonna come out of your mouth? Whatever you have on the inside of your heart. For as a man, as, whatsoever is in a man's heart, that's what he or she is gonna speak. So you cannot expect to get, say one thing and get something else. That, that's, you are self-deceived. If you wanna have a prosperous and beneficial life, if you wanna live the kind of life that God has already predestined for you to live, you're going to have to guard the stuff that comes out of your heart. Because remember, as a man or woman thinks in their heart, how you see yourself in your heart is how, is how your life is gonna go. He says, so watch over your heart with all diligence for, for, for from your heart flows the issues of life. There's no getting around it. You also got to understand that you have an adversary. Your adversary, which most people, even in the body of Christ, do not believe that there is a devil. If you go and tell you, man, the devil is, that there is a devil and he is the king of his world system, they will laugh you to scorn. The whole thing is to attack your ideology. How do you know that there's an adversary walking around trying to, trying to steal, kill, and destroy? Well, John chapter 10 says, the thief, talking about the adversary, only comes, he comes for it to do three things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. His whole mode of operation is those three things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. Now, why is that? Why do you need to understand that? Because if you, if you have any death cycles in your life, you automatically know that you have an adversary who's, who's there, and, and he is the one behind destruction. Any, any kind of theft, killing, or destruction in your life, it's the adversary. How do you know it's not God? Because Jesus said in, in the rest of that verse, is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came to give you life. Jesus came to give you life. Jesus didn't come to destroy you. Jesus came to give you life. Just pause and think about that. Jesus came to give you life. 
not give you death. How do you know that the adversary? Now, most people only look at, is looking at, uh, at a devil, or the devil's trying to do this stuff. But he uses people to do that. When you're talking about the devourer, he uses people to carry out his mission. Heck, he might even use you if you yield to it. Your adversary is actually on the prowl. First Peter chapter five, reading out of Amplified. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says this. Oh Lord, I see it. Hmm. He says this. He says, "Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times, for that enemy of yours, the devil." is roaming around like a lion. It didn't say he was a lion. He roars around like a lion, roared, making all these fierce, you know, and, and fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and to devour. The way the King James says, it says you're, the, that the, the devil, like a, like a lion, walks around looking for those whom he may devour. Doesn't mean he can devour everybody. But Peter is telling them, you got to be on watch. In other words, you got to be sober-minded means clear-headed, clear-minded. He says, and be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, is roaming around like a lion, roaring, seeking whom he may devour. How do you know he's roaming around? Well, even in the book of Job, when... When Satan had to come before God, he says, where, are you, where have you been? He says, walking to, to and fro throughout the earth. What's he doing? Looking for those who he may devour. What does it tell you to do? Does it tell you to be in fear of him? Oh, I'm afraid the devil going to get me. The devil going to get me. It didn't say that. It says, for you to withstand him, be firm in faith against his own set. Rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing that the same identical sufferings are pointed to your bro brotherhood, the whole body of Christ. So when the adversary comes and he's going to try to come against you, what are you supposed to do? Withstand it. What's another word for withstand? Resisting. Did it say for God, that God was going to do anything? Did y'all read that? Did y'all y'all read that anywhere where it says that when the adversary comes, call on God and that he's going to get the, he's going to do it for you. It doesn't say that. It says you when he comes upon you, which is telling you he's going to try to come upon you, what are you supposed to do? I'm a resistant. In faith. Who did it say to resist? The people are the adversary. So why are we resisting people? Why are you spending all your time arguing with people? Hello. Why are you spending all your time arguing with people if it's the adversary working through the person to try to come at you? Think about that for a second. Pause, that's a Selah moment. If Minister Julian is, is coming against me, I don't argue with her. 
I first stop and pause, hold it. She loves me. That's, mm. what's the spirit behind that? What's the spirit behind that? What's the ideology or thought process behind that? Is, she, is it a spirit of fear? Is she responding in fear? What's this? Do you know anger? Can I tell you, newsflash guys, do you know when you respond in anger, you're really responding based off of fear? When you are angry, what you're really demonstrating is, I'm afraid in that area. Because when you get angry, it's because you're afraid. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? As a parent, when you have disciplined your child because they was out there running in the street, was you really angry with the fact that they was running in the street or was you upset because you was afraid that if they ran out in the street, they was going to get hit by a car? Which one is it? Because it's not both. One is the root for the other. When the adversary comes, you are to resist them in faith, which means you got to know what the word of God says about that situation. How do you know you, you can resist them? Well, James chapter four, verse seven says this. It says, so be subject to God. Now there's a process though. You can't just resist the devil if you acting just like him. I know, I know I just messed somebody's ideology up. You can't, act, you can't resist the devil if you're acting just like him. So what do you do? I'm going to first, if Jerry says something to me that I don't like, I'm not going to cuss Jerry out and say, and then in the name of Jesus. I'm going to cuss him out, but in the name of Jesus. No, that don't, come on, man. I'm going to have to cast the devil off of me first. First of all, I'm going to respond to him in love. Father, in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive Jerry. Now, that spirit of division or that spirit of strife is operating through Jerry. I bind your operations. I command you to cease in your maneuvers and desist in your operation. What's the first thing you have to do? James 4 tells you, you have to submit to God. You have to submit to God, which means, Father, whatever you say to say, whatever you say to do, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to get mad with Doug, cuss him out, and then say, now, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. It's not going to work. I get upset. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to submit to what the word of God says first. And then once I we don't know why you got to submit to what the word of God says first, because if you don't submit to God first, what's going to happen is, is you're going to respond just like the world. So be subject to God, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee. Eyeballs, everybody watch me. Everybody watch me.
Ain't no show going on that's more important than this. Glory to God. Amen. I will tell you what we also declared earlier than this week. We take authority over the spirit of religion in this land. There in this land here is a spirit of religion. And it's, it's been operating freely. That's why when you preach a message like this, people are like, oh, Lord, they're talking about the devil. Oh, Lord, they're talking about resisting the devil. And they will flee. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He flees. The first part of that, in order for, to get to resist the devil, is you have to submit to God first. I just, I'm just saving y'all some time when y'all spending all that time binding and loosening and slotting and spitting and praying and hey, you get to that, I'm, I'm coming against it. I'm gonna do. Are you submitted to God? Nope, ain't gonna work. What does submission mean? We said this last week. I know it's a swear word to many people, but the word submission simply means get under that person's mission. I was talking to my mama this week. My mom and I, for the first time, Doug, you'd have been very proud. My mom and I had a conversation this week about politics and everything. And guess what she began to do? She stopped talking about parties and started talking about people. My mom. When I was talking to her, Jerry, you know what I was talking to her about? I talked to her about people because it's a people thing. Didn't make a difference what party they were in. It's a people thing. And it was, a, and when we was talking about it, she began to see stuff when you just look, look at just people, not parties, stuff that she didn't see before. Stop talking to them about parties, start talking to them about the ideologies, because I'm gonna tell you, I know it's gonna come as a shock to many of y'all, but none of them are 100% right. It quite as it's kept, most of them are wrong, regardless of what party they in. Even if it's your group, I don't have a group. My group is, is, is whoever's going to follow the word, closer to the word. That's who I'm going to vote for. I vote individually. I don't, I don't vote one whole party. I vote individually because some people, I don't care what party they're in, they act just as crazy, if not crazy, than other people. So y'all hear that part first? What's, what's the steps? Submit to God. Resist the devil with his own set and he will flee. If you don't submit to God and you try to go resist the devil, he not gonna flee. What's he trying to do? Attack what it is you believe. When I was talking to a family member earlier this week, they was talking about their ideology. They, they've heard so many different things. This is what they said, young person, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what is true and what's not true. When I was talking to my mother about the politics, we was talking about the news and everything. I said, y'all news is not even news anymore. It's a, it's a drama. It's like a soap opera. They even got music behind it. Dun, dun, dun. At 12 o'clock, 10 people die. Story. And, and I told her, I said, I'm gonna tell you how your news plays. They give you the breaking news at six. That same, it's the same breaking news as at 6.30, which is the same breaking news at 7. And I said, you want to know why? Because what they told you at 6 is the same thing they're going to tell you at 6.30. It's the same thing they're going to tell you at 7. 
what are they trying to do? See you with their ideology. That's why they call it television. Tell a vision. Tell a vision. Tell a vision. And the more you watch it and the more you hear it, then you say it and you watch it and you're hearing it and you're saying it and you're watching it and you're hearing it. And you, guess what you're doing? Seeding all that mess into your heart. And then guess what else you're going to do? You're going to start talking like it. You're going to be start living your life based off of the vision that they have planted on the inside of you by what you watched on TV. See that right there? I know I just messed up a lot of y'all little ideologies, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it works the same way with the word. When you get on the word, not what you're watching. When you get on the word, not what you're watching. When you get in the word, not what you're watching. But when you get in the word, you, you physically break your Bible out. I know some of y'all got to knock the dust off of it. Some of y'all got to take it off the coffee table where y'all have been using it as a as a cup holder, some of y'all got to charge y'all iPads and Google up. But when you get the word on the inside of you, word that you have in front of your eyes, you're reading it with your eyes, you're reading it out loud with your mouth, letting it go into your ears. Guess what you're doing? Seeding your heart with the word of God. What do you think, what do you think you're going to think about? when you letting that word come into your eyes, come out of your mouth, go into your heart, you're gonna feed on the word of God. You're, gonna re, you're going to tell a vision. You're gonna reprogram your heart. You're gonna reprogram your mind. So when a situation or circumstance comes up because you have spent so much time in his word, reading it, you reading it, you saying it, you hearing it, guess what's going to happen? It's going to reprogram your heart. So when a situation comes up, when the adversary comes up with his mess, because you already clear-headed, you will be able to see it, and you will immediately submit to God because you know what his word says. You will hear the Holy Spirit tell you what to say to resist him. And then guess what he's going to do? Take all running. Did y'all see that? You got to get the word of God on the inside of you. It's great that you watch this video. It's great that you listen to this video. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But if you ask me to choose between which one I would rather you do. Now, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together as we all as the times get. Because you're not in defiance of the government. You're not even in defiance of the church. You're in defiance of the word of God. We don't gather just for the sake of gathering. I mean, heck, my bed was just as warm as your bed was when you left this morning. That thing was good to me. I had to rebuke it. Loose me and let me go. And got up this morning. Right? We come and gather together. Why? Because each one comes, and guess what happens? Each one comes with a song, a hymn, a spiritual song. Everybody comes with a word. Everybody comes with a word. Everybody comes with a word. Because guess what? God might say, hey, Milt, you don't have it today. This person has it. Put them up. Oh, okay, praise God. And when I say, hey, God says you have the word. <laughs> the devil is a lie. No, 
when God said, when I, before I became a pastor, when I, I wasn't even in ministry, but I was always prepared. If they called on me, my daddy, my father always said, be always be prepared. Always be prepared. I'm like, always be prepared. I'm not the pastor. He said, always be prepared. He said, have a piece of paper and a pen with you. Well, now we got technology. I have my iPhone. If you ever got my iPhone and got in my notes, man, you got enough message. You could preach to hear that Jesus came back. But there's always, and I'm typing. Minister Julian start talking. Hang on. Okay, what? I had to get that because it was right there. Write it down. Write it down. I, when I come in for praise and worship, I'm already praised and worshiped up. I mean, I don't need, if nobody ever praised and worshiped, man, if the praise and worship leader fell off the stage or something like that and they need somebody to come grab the mic, I come grab the mic and I can flow right with them. Why? Because I live a lifestyle of praise and worship. I live a lifestyle preparing for, to speak the word of God. Do I do it because I am a pastor? No. I did the same thing before I became a pastor. I did the same thing, Talon, before I even became a minister. Boy, I could drop out. I could, I could preach to you on the, on the spot. I don't need no commentary from your section. Minister Jewel glory to God. She's like, that joke will be preaching all the time. But anyway, what, what? You get the word of God on the inside of you so that when situations and circumstances come up, and they will, you know how to submit to God's word. What does word say? Then resist the adversary, he will flee. Can I tell you something though? But that joke was gonna try to come back again. And what are you gonna do? Busting right upside his head. Now, what is his whole goal? What has his, been his goal all the way since the, all the way back to the Garden of Eden? to attack what it is that you believe. When he, remember when he was talking to Adam and Eve, what did he say to Eve? Did God really say you could eat of all, any of the trees of the garden? In other words, did he really say that? No, he said we can eat of all the trees of the garden and, and said we can't eat this one tree for the day that we touch it and eat it, but we shall surely die. What did he say to her? You ain't going to die. You ain't going to die. Because God knows. He knows. The moment you eat of that tree, you're going to be just like him. Newsflash, they was already like him. He attacked what it is she believed. You arguing and fussing about what somebody else said. This person said that was it. You already know they're attacking what it is that you believe. Why are you going to waste your time arguing with somebody who, even after you present your best case, they still ain't going to do it? Because even before you start talking, they'd already made up their mind. I don't care what they say. I still ain't going to do it. And how do you know? Because I, I'm going to tell you how, as a pastor, I know if you're receiving what it is I'm giving you or not. If I say something to you and it bounces back to me, I say what it is, I, it bounces back to me, I can tell your heart position. And you can sit there with your little cute face to say, hallelujah. And I already know, you ain't getting nothing. I ain't hearing all that. I know, I, I know what my prophet said. I know what this person said. So I'm going to stand on that word. Okay, then your prophet or your evangelist or your pastor whose word doesn't line up with this word, I don't care who it is. 
Listen, read the word for yourself. I'm not taking anything out of it, adding anything to it. Simple, it's simple. Let me see. Submit to God. Submit to God. Okay, I need to look at what that word submit means. Get under his mission. Okay, submit to God. I'm gonna show you how to study your Bible. Submit to God. Huh. Is that Jehovah? Is that Allah? Is that Buddha? Who are you talking about? Oh, that, oh, that word God is Elohim, mm, creator God. Oh, snap. That's how you study your Bible. I don't care what, you don't go by based off of what somebody else has taught. You study your Bible for yourself so you know what it is and, and make sure you know what the word says for yourself. Then it says resist. Resist means stand against. That word devil is actually Diablo. Diablo means he's a penetrator. How's he gonna try to penetrate you? He's gonna try to penetrate you through your thoughts. He's going to try to present thoughts. He presented a alternative to what it is that God said. That's what he did to Eve. The devil cannot create anything new, nothing. He uses different players, but he used the same, same game. He's going to attack you the same way he attacked Adam and Eve, the same way he attacked Jesus in the garden. I'm going to tell you the three areas he's going to attack you in. Lust of the eye, what looks good. It looks good. It looks good. It looks good. It looks good. Lust of the flesh, it feels good. Oh, oh, it looks good to me. I'm going to partake of it. It's going to be so delicious. Oh, I could just kind of like that apple pie pushing you around every night. You look at it, it's talking to you in your sleep. Mm, I should, eh, oh, I need to get it. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah, it's talking to you. And then the pride of life is going to make you appear to be something greater than what it is that you are. So he's going to attack you based off lust of the eye, what, what, what it looks good. Lust of the flesh is going to feel good. Pride of life is going to give me a position or make me appear to be something greater than what I am today. He attacked Adam and Eve like that. He attacked Jesus the exact same way. Go home and read Luke chapter four. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. He tried to appeal to what he saw. He tried to appeal to his flesh and he also tried to appeal to his ego. It's gonna put you. Now, the thing about it is, is on the surface, it looks like it ain't gonna hurt nobody. You don't need to get married. What you need to get married for? Just live together. Just live together long enough. They'll call you common law. You can have all the benefits. I'm going to tell you right now. When a guy and a girl lives, and a guy and a female, a biblical marriage, the definition of biblical marriage is the marriage between a biological man and a biological woman. You don't have to, you don't have to go by that. Any kind of version works because God loves you. He still loves you. That does not mean that he condones what it is that you do. Just live together. Do have all the benefits of marriage without marriage. God understands. He does understand that you're rebelling against what it is he told you to do. He won't force you to obey his word. He'll give you a choice. But with every choice, there's a result. 
How do you know the adversary is going to attack what it is you believe? Isaiah 5.20 says this. <clears throat> I'm going to use my last few minutes to get this out to you. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and variant, uh, violent men in mixing strong drinks. Who do what? Justify the wicked for a bribe. So they justify and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. Sound familiar? See it going on right now? They really believe that what it is that they're doing is right. They are convinced what it is that they're doing is right. Remember the apostle Paul, when he was Saul, he was convinced that killing Christians was right. And he, he, he believed that imprisonment was right because they are going against what it is he believed. But when he came in contact with the truth, it changed what it is he believed. So he came in contact with new information that gave him new thoughts, that gave him new feelings, that impacted the way he responded, and it changed his life. So why do you think that you can just pray for somebody, not give them any new information, not, not, your, not, not medical information, not government information, but medical information based off of the word? I've heard more people talk about what the medical report says and what this says about that says. And I'm, I sit back and I listen. When are you going to talk about what you said about the word? Because the last time I checked, and maybe y'all can, can fact check me. I said fact, F-A-C-T, not fact check me, but fact check me. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the what? Truth shall make you free. It didn't say your medical report. It didn't say the latest politics. It didn't even say the latest prophecy. It says the word makes you free. Because if I give you a prophecy, but I don't give you the word on how to apply the word to your life, because the prophecy is a snapshot. Get the word on the inside of you. What do I do when I hear prophecy? We judge all prophecy. I judge my own prophecy. How do you judge it based off of the word? Not whether or not they use the word because you can use the word in, in wrong context and still call it prophecy. We judge all, we judge all word. I don't judge the individual. It doesn't tell you to judge the individual. It says judge the prophecy, judge what's being said, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. How do you judge it? based off of the word with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? Every time somebody prays, I don't say amen. 
You want to know why? Because if what you're praying does not line up with the word, if I say amen, I'm in agreement with what it is you're saying. I ain't, mm, nope. I just, I'll keep praying for you. I'll keep praying for what, what he says about this. If somebody's leading prayer, it doesn't matter whether you're apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, doesn't matter who you are. If you start praying and what you're still, you start praying, that, that, no. I just pray in the spirit. You might be praying in English. I pray in the spirit. When I say amen, I'm saying amen to what it is I prayed in the spirit. Not so much as what you said in English. What's the, what, who is the guideline? Prophet so-and-so, evangelist so-and-so, apostle so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, teacher so-and-so. They're not the standard. Who is the standard? Jesus. Jesus is master. He is savior. He is Lord. That's what Adonai is. Master, savior, Lord. I'm not the standard. I'm a representative. I'm a gift that he sent to you. But you don't, if you don't receive me as a gift, guess what? You don't get the benefits of the gift. It's not deep. It ain't deep. I, we, this is church 101. So when the adversary is coming up against you, his whole agenda is to get you to change how you see things. He's attacking your ideology. I'm gonna give you three these three last points and I guarantee you we're gonna be done. This, I, I said all that to get to this part right here. Well, he said all that to get us to this part right here. There's nothing new under the sun. The same tricks that the adversary was doing all the way back in the Garden of Eden is the same thing he's doing today. There's nothing new. He's trying to appeal to you, the lust of your eyes, the lust of your flesh and the, and the pride of your life. And, he's, and God is telling you this morning, if you stop attacking people and address what's going on behind the people, then you will see a different result. But in order to address what's going on behind the people, the first thing you're going to have to do is submit to God. Anybody ever try to bind and lose something and you ain't see no binding and you ain't seeing no loosing and you could... I don't understand why this ain't working. God said, I'm showing you right now why it's not working. You have not submitted to him because everything God does is motivated in love. Everything that we'll do from, from now until Jesus comes back and even going into uh, 2022 is going to be motivated by love. If, it, if love is not involved, we're not going to do it. If love is not our motivation, we are not going to do it. So if love is not your motivation about why it is, you say, I want to start this group to do this, 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 this. If love, the agape version of love is not your motivation, we're not going to do it. When you come prepared to serve every Sunday, regardless if you serve or not, come prepared to serve. Is a change in ideologies. It's a change in how you, you see church. In this area, I will tell you, people come, they see church as a spectator sport. Yeah, we might as well set up pop, you know, set up popcorn stands and 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 jujubes and all that at the door and everything. If you come in here as a spectator sport, I don't know how you're gonna come in here as a spectator sport, because you will be most uncomfortable. 
your flesh will be, Ooh. and you're like, I don't know why I'm so irritated. I said, I do, because the word is there to kill your flesh. Paul says, I die daily, not him. He's talking about his flesh, his fleshly desire. He dies daily. The reason why he dies daily, unless he preaches to somebody else and he himself finds himself as a castaway. I preached it, but I didn't live it. Can I tell you that the, oh, no, 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 I want to. <laughs> First, uh, First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, I'm reading out of the Amplified, says this, no temptation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. So in other words, there's no temptation, no test, trial, tribulation is upon you that is uncommon. It's common to man. All the way back to Adam and Eve, all the way back before Adam and Eve, there's nothing new under the sun. He says, but has come to you that is beyond your human resistance. And that is, that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience as such as a man can bear, but God. So even though test trials and tribulations will come, God is faithful to his word and to his, and his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted. So even when test trials and tribulations come, God can be trusted. Why? Because you will never be tempted above that which you're able to bear. But he will always provide a way out. Is God behind the test? Is God behind the temptation? Is God behind the trials? Look at my sweet little face, and I'm going to tell you this. And two letters, no. God, why would God, where are you going to get the stuff from to tempt you with? Think about that for a second. Where is he going to get the, where is he going to get the, the, the lust from to tempt you with? Where is he going to get the deception from to tempt you with? Where is he going to get the, the resentment or the selfishness from to tempt you with when God is love? Where are you going to get the temptation from? Why would he have to tempt you? Why would, have he, why would he have to test you? Why would he have to put you in tribulations? He said tribulation, tests, and trials would come, but not by him. Isaiah 54, 13, 14, we're not turning there, but write, write it down for your reference. Isaiah 54 talks about how oppressions and terrors and all that's going to come, but not by me. So how he says, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper in Isaiah 54, 17. If God is the one who's going to provide the weapons that's going to be formed against you, just so he, why would he provide something that's going to hurt you? It doesn't happen. No temptation comes from God. No temptation comes from God. No temptation to, to believe something other than what his word says comes from God. I know you're looking at me with your, with your religious faces. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to tell you this first, and then I, we're, I'm, going to, I'm going to prove it to you in his word. That's good, Holy Spirit. He says, no temptation comes from God. <clears throat> I'm going to read this statement. He says, every temptation is to get you to violate the commandment of love. Every test, trial, and tribulation is to get you to stop loving God 
or to not love, to not walk in love with one another. In doing so, you violate the law of love that is the greatest law in the kingdom. Why? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13 says this, faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of all these three is love. So every test, trial, and tribulation is to get you to stop operating in love. Because in order to, 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 to tribulate against somebody, what would you have to do? In order to violate the Ten Commandments, what would you have to do? If I'm stealing, I'm not loving you. If I'm killing you, I'm not loving you. If I'm coveting what your stuff to get your stuff, I'm not walking in love with, towards you. And if I exalt any other God above God, I'm not walking in love towards God. So the greatest commandment that he ever gave us in accordance to John 15 is simple. To love the Lord your God. Oh, as you were, to love one another just as I have loved you. That's the commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples. John 15, 12, to love one another. He says, this is a commandment. It's not an option. This is a commandment. It's not an option. Why? Because love never fails. So if I'm submitted to God, the first thing I'm going to be submitted to is love. So then when I resist the adversary, I'm doing it from a position of I'm resisting you with the word of God and you got to flee because he's the opposite of love. He is selfish. He is self-centered. Yes, he is, he is prideful. Love is humble. Love is an action. It always responds. It all, love always responds. I'm sure, I'm a, I promise you. Now, this is the example I got about, about, yes, sir. He says, says this, and yeah. Remember I just said, God is not the tempter. I said that. James chapter one, verse 12. God is not the tempter. So when you're being tested, tested, tried, and going through tribulations, God is not the one behind it. God does not use sickness and disease, poverty and lack. Destruction of families, destructions of nations to try to teach you something. That is a, a religious spirit. God does not do that. Well, he did it in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. No, he didn't. He, when he says, I took them through the wilderness to prove them, it was not about trying to test them and tempt them. It was about, hey, I'm going to take you because you're not prepared to, to step into what it is. I call, you're not ready to go into the promised land yet. Why? Because they still had a slave mentality. He said, for you all, he says, there's many people in the body of Christ and even in locally, he says, I'm going to tell you right now, the reason why you have not stepped into everything I called you to do yet, he says, because mentally you are not prepared for it. Your heart's not ready because the people who are going to come are not going to look, they're not going to be churchy. So guess what's going to happen? They're not going to talk like you. They're not going to look like you. They may not even smell like you. 
And if you, mm, mm, you would have think the sister would have known to wear her dress further down. And you think she, she'd have known not to wear them bright color. You would think she'd have known not to wear them skin. You'd think he'd known not to wear all that cologne that's so strong. You got to wear a gas mask around. You would think he know not to walk in the church custody. And you think he, they don't know that because they're coming from the world. Just like when you didn't know it when you came into the church. But if you have that, I'm holy attitude, you are not ready to receive God's people. How do you know that the temptation doesn't come from God? Well, don't take my word for it. Take what the word of God says. James chapter one says this, blessed, happy, and to be envious, the man who is patient under trials and stands up against temptation. For when he has stood the test and has been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no man one say when he is tempted, I am tempted from God. Why? For God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. How do I how can I say God doesn't is not behind the temptation? How can I say that God is not behind the test? How can I say that God is not behind the trial or tribulation? Where is he going to get it from? He, I've heard people preach recently, well-known people preach recently, that God is the one that, that uses things from the devil to teach you something. I'm like, you've got to be crazy. So you're trying to tell me an almighty God is bankrupt enough that he has to use the adversary to be able to teach you something that could kill you in the process before you learn the lesson. Get out of here. Am I talking against them? Did I cut off the whole thing and say, mm, I ain't receiving none of that? No, I kept watching. You want to know why? Because after they said that, the rest of what they said was on point. It's just that little, like, mm, okay. They would talk about Paul. Paul, you know, the, the prophet, the apostle, he was, you know, he had prayed three times that God, you know, he had a messenger, a messenger from Satan that came to buffet him. Why did the messenger from Satan come to buffet Paul? Because Paul was getting so many, much revelation. He kept buffeting him, buffeting him, buffeting him to try to keep him to stop, to get him to stop. To get him to stop doing what? Seeking God. What's the first? You ever pray for somebody and hear somebody say this? I pray to God and God did hear my prayer. Now I'm mad at God. That is the dumbest thing, but we all have done it at some point in time. I'm mad at God because if God was so great, he'd have saved my grandmama. If God was so great, my child wouldn't have died. If God was so great, if God was so great, if God was so great, ain't got nothing to do with that. You don't know all the factors behind that. God is not the one who's tempting you. How do you know? He says, God is, is not is incapable of being tempted. Neither does, neither does he tempt anyone with evil. But every person, every person is tempted when he or she is drawn away, enticed, baited by his or her own evil desires, lust or passion. So if you want to know why you're being tempted, the adversary is only going to tempt you in three areas, and he's going to tempt you in areas where he already knows 
that you are weak in. Or he's going to tempt you in areas where he used to get you before. Man, I, oh, man, I know. Oh, I, she's so prideful. She's so envious. Oh, I'm on. I'm going to get her. Yeah, yeah. You know you look better than him. And he's going to do it with thoughts, suggestions. You know you look better than her. I don't know why she's up there. You ought to be up there. You are more spiritual than she is. Mm, you could preach better than he can. Mm, that should be you. Mm, mm, I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to go do something else. Did God tell you to do it? No, but I just believe, did God tell you to do it? Well, I sense, no, no, no. Did God tell you to do it? Well, they trying to, did God tell you to do it? Because your own, he's only going to tempt you in areas where you have desires and where you have passions. So you could be passionate about some something, and this is what the this is what the adversary would do. Helen, come here. Uh, Julian, come here for a second. I'm gonna tell you. When you first stand on the word, come here. Right here. Hey, this is Minister Julian. Anyway, when you first stand on the word, this is this is how the adversary is. Act like you're walking towards him. He's going to he's trying to resist you from getting in the word, right? Because now you're trying to push forward. But if he can't resist you, you're going to keep pushing forward. Okay. But she's passionate about an area. Well, if I couldn't stop her, I'm going to get behind her and I'm going to push her. So y'all see the difference? If he can't stop you, you really need to do it. You really need to do it. You really, you really, you really, to the point you stop listening to God. To the point you you are so passionate about thanks man you're so passionate about it that you are no longer listening to god's direction on how to do it now you're just driven i'm just driven to make sure that they don't go against my rights i'm just driven to make sure that this person i'm just driven and he'll push you right out of god's perfect will for your life and he told me to tell you there's so many people who are doing it today can sit with this corona deal you were deceived you are so passionate about it that you cannot even hear God to tell you how you're supposed to respond. So the adversary is pushing you out of position. And he's using your own passions and desires to do it. It started off as a thought. But you meditated on it so long that now you, it's, that desire is so strong that you have it has birthed something in you. And when that, when you give birth to that sin or that thought or that theory, he says, you are full, when it becomes fully mature, you step out in what it is that you believe, even though it started off as, I just, I'm just trying to stand, I want to stand against it. How do you stand against it? You submit to God, resist the devil with the word in faith, he'll flee. But people are not doing that. He says what people are doing is they heard something they didn't like. It went against what it is they already thought. It went against what it is they believed. They was passionate to stand against initially from I'm going to stand against the evil on it. Now I'm standing against people. Now I'm just rebelling against this. I'm rebelling against that. I'm rebelling. And the adversary used to resist you when you was trying to, to resist him from a spiritual standpoint. But then you got off into your flesh and now you're just, he's driving you through your own passions, and you cannot see it. 
you are self-deceived. Why is he going to use drive you out of your own, use your own passions against you? To get you out of the will of God. You surrender your, your the, the pulpit on your on places where you've been working at. You submitted your positions of authority in, in, in your community and all kinds of different places because you are self-deceived. No temptation comes from God. God did not tell you to do that. Your own, the adversary used your own passions against you. How do you think people murder people? How do you think people commit adultery? He uses your own passions against you. And he pushes you right out of the will of God. He says, but it could turn around today. You're pushing your whole family away. Your family don't want to hear nothing from you. So, you so you've been so stagnant about this, the vaccine, stagnant about, the, about the, the, the guidelines and all that, that you have allowed the adversary to push you right out of position. And your family can't receive nothing from you. That's not love. You stop looking at the, the root behind it and you start attacking people. And you have, you have lost. You've lost, the, you might have won the battle, but you have lost the war. And in this new season that we're stepping into, everything is to be motivated by love. Everything is to be motivated by love. Today, everything is supposed to be motivated by love. Everything is motivated by love. Do we hate people? No. Do we agree with everybody? No. I can love you and never agree with you. I can disagree with you and not walk, but I, it doesn't allow me to not walk in love towards you. I'm gonna share this with you. And this is where we're. This is literally where we're gonna close. Yesterday, I was coming through immigrations, and there was this there was this young lady who was in immigration. And this young lady had traveled, had traveled some distance to get to the border. When she got to the border, she was all excited because she believed that she had done everything she needed to do to qualify to get to the border, only to get to the border and start crying because they denied her. She had all, she did what she thought she was supposed to do based off of what she thought and came up short. The father said this yesterday when I was, I was like, oh my goodness. He says, and so shall it be. And according to Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, many people will say, Lord, Lord. Many, um, he said, there were people who called me Lord, who were not, not everyone who has called me Lord would enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who have done according to that which I have commanded. He says, many will say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? And in your name cast out many devils? And in your name done many great, wonderful things? He says, but I'm going to turn to you and say, I never knew you. Depart from me. You did not keep the command which I have given you. What was his command? He was saying this on the Sermon on the Mount. What was his command? To love. You did not keep my commandment of love. 
You did not love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you did not love your neighbor like I loved you. Well, I did this and I went in it, but did you, did you do love? That's the question. Did you do love? Your house is supposed to be built on love. That's why that song was so interesting. Build my life, build my life on the foundation of your love. People are getting deceived left, right, and center, getting pushed out of their positions, getting pu pushed off of, their, off of the platforms that God gave to them because they are driven in their own passions and lust and stop listening to God and start listening to what it is. They reasoned in their own minds what it is they thought was right. And even when people try to tell them what you're doing is wrong, they cannot receive it. The adversary initially was resisting you. Now he's pushing you. How do you know? Because that's what he did with Paul. Paul initially thought what he was doing was right. And the adversary used his own passions, his own, Saul, he used his own passions to drive him against God. Then what happened is he had, a, he had an encounter with truth and he had an encounter with love. And in one instance, one encounter, he repented and went a whole different direction. And what did he do? Spent the rest of his life teaching people about faith, grace, the kingdom of God, and how to operate according to love. Told you, miracle is going to take place here today. You can be just like Saul. When I seen that young lady standing there and she was crying, because she did everything she thought she was supposed to do. And many religious spirits would tell you, all you got to do is just go through the motions. Just show up at church. Just read your Bible when you feel like it. Pray if you have to. Love if, if they deserve to be loved. God said, Jesus says, if you, you can do all those other things and not know love and not know the truth, and you will be knocking on that door and you'll be just like that woman was, standing there. And you think you have done everything that you should do to be able to qualify and find out you did not. Love is the driving force behind prayer. Love is the driving force behind giving. Love is the driving force behind serving your community. Love is the driving force behind doing the works of the ministry. It's all about love because God is love. When I seen that yesterday, and then she wasn't little crying. She was crying for real, for real. I wanted to help her. I wanted to. But legally, if I would have helped her the way that she needed help, it's illegal. She was short on money. She had money, but she didn't have enough money to meet what they wanted. If I would have gave her the money, it's illegal. The law of the land says it's illegal to do that. Do you even know her? Why would you do that? Is there something else that's going on? Now, now I'm in there and I'm going to get searched. 
But when I walked in, I knew got everything that I needed in order for me to, to operate. And I, I didn't go in based off of, I got this and I got that. I operated because I got the love of God on me and God is with me. And this is what he told me. This is how he tells me to approach it every single time. Are you operating according to love? Are you being tempted? And if you're being tempted, who's, who, why, how, what area are you being tempted in? And what does the word of God say about it? There's nothing new that's under the sun. Paul was driven by his passion. And then he was, he was motivated by love. He was tempted to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus revealed to him, I came to give you life, and life in abundance to the full till it overflows. You can walk out of here. You can click over here. You can cut off this podcast. It doesn't change the fact that you have, you've got the victory, but your victory is going to come through the levels of love that you walk in. You got the victory over te every test, trial, and tribulation. But the only way that you secure it is you know the adversary is going to come against you to challenge your ideologies. Your ideologies has to be based off of what the word says, not what government so-and-so said, not what scientists so-and-so said, not what this person says. What does the word of God say about that situation? And make sure that you're applying the word of God in its proper context. People using the word of God for everything. This one scripture covers everything. It does not cover everything. It covers that particular situation. So it means you got to get the word in your eyes, coming out of your mouth, going into your ears, cut that YouTube off, cut your videos off, get your Bible out and start reading it. You're going to find a lot, a lot of stuff you didn't know that was in there. You're going to find out a lot of stuff that you thought you believed. <laughs> You, you are believing wrong or not complete. So with every hand bowed, every eye closed, nobody walking and talking enough, you've been so assigned. Man, I know about you. Boy, calm your little cells down. Y'all ready to run. I know it. Glory to God. Father, we thank God and praise you for this opportunity. I thank God for this word. I thank God for the fact that he shared his word with us so that we're not walking around in defeat, but better that so we can help other people to stop walking around in defeat. People are being defeated left, right, and center in the body of Christ right now because they're missing this one ingredient. I'm motivated by what I do from the position of love. So if you never accept Jesus before as your personal Lord and Savior, man, that was the greatest act of love that God had for it. it says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says that God demonstrated his love towards us in the fact that while we were yet sinners, he still sent Christ for us. So if you never accepted Jesus before as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that with me right now. And according to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says the word of God is near you in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, healed, delivered, and made whole. I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that with me right now. In the name of Jesus, I repeat this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ 
is the son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I receive your offer of forgiveness. I receive your love. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you into the kingdom. Welcome you in back, right? Relationship, righteousness. Anybody who was in the class on Thursday night? Righteousness and right standing with God and right position with God. We want to welcome you. Now, what do you do now? Now that I'm born again, what do I do? Well, you got to get in a good Bible-based church. We'll teach you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we'll also teach you how to live according to the kingdom of God, motivated by love. The greatest law in the kingdom of God is love. It's not faith. It's not grace. It's not hope. It is love. Why? Because God is love. And we'll teach you here at Ignite what love is, not the world's definition of love is love. No, love is not love. You know, I can't tell you right now, but I may tell you next week about love is not love because there's multiple uh, types of love. And the love that they're talking about is in short fashion is if you love me, do let me do what I want to do without judging me. Well, hallelujah. So if you never, if you don't have a good Bible-based church, hey, clock, clock, Click on with us every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to have you join us. If you're in the Greeley, uh, Ottawa area, we'd love for you to come by and join just to say hello, hi, hug our necks real good. Let us hug your neck real good so you can dim, uh, uh, sit under and encounter the love of God. And, you know, even after today, go back and listen to this video again. Hear what it is that the Spirit of the Lord has to say unto you. Or listen to this podcast again and hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to you today. On behalf of Minister Juin, myself, and the entire Ignite Nation, I want to thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next week. God bless you.